Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are going to discuss Thanksgiving. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay, it's always, as usual, a pleasure to be able to gather together and just to to reflect a little bit on, on different topics and issues. We gather and, together. That's a Thanksgiving song. I didn't know that. Yeah, we gather together to ask the oh, Lord's blessing. Okay, what? sure. Okay, fine. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it's good to be together. <laughs> and it's, it's good to be able to... Um, to talk about the holiday of Thanksgiving because it's it's one of those times where you might say where there is a, a, a genuine sense of of both the sacred and the secular really coming together as opposed to the secular overwhelming something or kind of taking it over as we find oftentimes during Christmas and Easter where the the sacred gets gets lost. But this is a time where you might say where a little bit of the, the secular gets lost. Now, of course, we have things happening during Thanksgiving in a normal Thanksgiving, although this year is a little uh, abnormal, you mm-hmm. might say. However, there is a, a sacred part of it that I think really touches the depth of the human heart, the, the soul, of what it means to, to really give thanks, uh, to, to be appreciative, to recognize that there are so many things beyond our control, and certainly when the uh, the European settlers first came over, you know, uh, in, in in the early centuries to to settle in this land, or I should say, to settle in this land with the native peoples that that were here, uh, it it really uh, kind of goes to the very core of what it meant just plain to survive. And, and in surviving, to recognize the need uh, to be able to give thanks. Um, the, the holiday of Thanksgiving really has a, a considerable history. And, and one of the things I want to mention is that it goes way beyond, you know, people coming over here to this, you know, continent, you might say. There have been feasts of Thanksgiving that have predated, you know, certainly uh, the, the pilgrims coming over or... The, the Puritans coming over, or any number of peoples, uh, even the Native American peoples that were, were here in the first place, is that these feasts of Thanksgiving have been part, you might say, of just the, the human condition for a long time. And so it's it's an opportunity for us just to talk a little bit uh, about that. First, uh, just a little bit of, of history. I, I always like to offer a little bit of history. I like history. And... Um, this year, of course, uh, Thanksgiving will be celebrated on uh, Thursday, uh, the last Thursday of the month. As well, it's always celebrated the last the Thursday. La- of well, the month, it wasn't it? always. There was a there was legislation uh, in a while back that wanted to make it the third Thursday of the month, and the reason was this was during the Depression. The reason was to give people a. Uh, to give the economy a boost because it would kind of lengthen the the holidays for mm-hmm. buying. And this was uh, trying to, to boost the economy, but it was so, and I'll, I'll just mention that a little bit, that it was so, you know, the outcry against it 
was so was so strong that finally legislation was was signed um, <laughs> begrudgingly was signed to make it the last Thursday as opposed to the third Thursday. Interesting. Uh, the um, it's interesting how uh, as history kind of goes anyway at this point in time, uh, and there are always questions to any of this, is that some of the history will say that it was in 1621. Uh, that the Plymouth colonists and the Native Americans of that time uh, in that area shared an, an autumn harvest feast. Now, sometimes this is given a rather, um, a rather saccharine or rather sweet, you know, coating because the, the folks uh, bo on both sides did not get along very well. There were moments, uh, but there was also a lot of conflict and is, uh, and, 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 harm brought to the peoples on both sides and it's uh, it but it was a moment you might say when when there appeared this group of colonists and the native americans i believe it's the pronounced the uh wampanoag uh, native americans of that area that shared in this autumn feast uh, but it's uh, so there have been celebrations for quite some time uh, for two centuries is that the celebrations were were really dependent on the individual colonies and states. Uh, it wasn't until eight, literally 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, that President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national Thanksgiving Day. Uh, but otherwise, it was in various months, it was in various days, hmm. it, was, it all depended on the colonies or the states in what they decided. It's much like the feast days and memorials of the church. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was all over the board until such time as for, for various number of reasons that, you know, a group of people says, okay, it's time that we kind of settle this. Uh, what I find interesting is that there are uh, the um, indications that uh, you know, we have all often think that it was just turkey and deer or whatever, <laughs> that there's indications that a part of the first feast, uh, there was lobster, seal, swans uh, that were on the menu. So they are, certainly their culinary delights were probably much different than what history has uh, interesting, given interesting. to us. Uh, so you have... Um, you have all of this stuff that's happening, and so you literally, you have that first winter was very brutal. The colonists originally stayed on the ship because they had really no place else to, to hmm. survive. But, but um, over half of the people that were on that ship never survived the winter. It was, uh, you know, disease and, and hunger and, and just so many terrible things that they experienced. I'd imagine it'd be hard to stay warm on that ship, too. Oh, gosh, yeah, because of the exposure to the elements. Mm -hmm. And it was largely, in many ways, due to the Native Americans that they survived it all. I mean, there were some moments where, you know, people seeing people and, and being able to assist in just the basics to, to help them to sustain and survive uh, the basics. Uh, so when they had that autumn feast, uh, they, they had a lot to be thankful for. And, and, and one of the key things was that they, they were alive. You know, it, it really was a, a time of, of Thanksgiving. Um, but 
What's interesting is that also rather curious is that because they had literally had to subsist on just the supplies that were on the ship is that um, because those had dwindled to such a point that meal that they had there would have been no for example pies or cakes mm -hmm. or other desserts because basically their sugar had been taken up and and you know, had been consumed sure. long before that. So sugar was not exactly on the menu. It would have been more meats what and vegetables. What a shame. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been more uh, meats and vegetables. Um, it was, you know, it continued, as the years continued, I should say, that uh, it was during the American Revolution that the Continental Congress designated one or more days of Thanksgiving a year. Um and George Washington, in, in 1789, issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation by the national government of what was then called the United States. And so, and in it, you know, he, he really called on people saying, we need to give thanks. But again, this was, this was in 1789, so a lot of time has passed, you know, by that point. Uh, it was in 1817 that New York became the first of several states to officially adopt, adopt an annual Thanksgiving holiday. Um, again, each celebrated on their own day. But when you think about, you know, 1600s, and then it wasn't until 1817 that, uh, that states finally began to officially adopt it. That's a long time. It is. Ten years later, um, Sarah Josepha Hale, she was a... Uh, uh, an author, and she was the editor of a, of a magazine. Um, she had been, oh, she was also the, the one who wrote the song, Mary Had a Little Lamb, just in case you were wondering. Yes. Um, she launched a campaign to establish Thanksgiving as a national holiday. Now, again, this was in 1827, uh, so 200 years plus, that finally there was a movement to establish a... Um, a national holiday. It took her 36 years, though, in order to finally, finally convince the leadership, President Lincoln at the time, to actually have um, uh, a national holiday established. Holy cow, that's a lot of work. Yes. And dedication <laughs> for a national holiday. And she was known as the the, the mother uh, of Thanksgiving. That's She is nicknamed the mother of Thanksgiving, uh, Sarah Josepha Hale. And finally, it was then in 1863, at the height of the Civil War, that uh, Abraham Lincoln, you know, finally declares, you know, a national holiday. Now, as I mentioned, is that he had, he had scheduled it for the final, the last Thursday of November. And it was celebrated on that day every year until 1939, when Frank Lowe, Franklin, not Frank Franklin D. <laughs> Roosevelt, moved the holiday up a week in an attempt to spur the retail sales hmm. during the Great Depression. Who lobbied for that one? <laughs> and so Roosevelt's plan, known derisively as Frank's Giving, uh -huh. uh, was met with such opposition that he backed off. And then finally in 1941... The president signed a bill making Thanksgiving the fourth Thursday in November. It has been that 
ever since. You know, it's, it's just interesting when you think about all of that, Lindsay, that uh, what a feast like that, what, what it goes through, the changes, but how it can, you know, in some ways be divisive, you know, when, when people start to mess with, but we've always done it this way. And yet there's also the element where I think, you know, Abraham Lincoln realized it could also be a unifying factor. It could be an opportunity for us to really look at, you know, look at ourselves as a people and saying, you know, we need those opportunities other than simply something that celebrates a war or a battle or a particular date is that we as people sometimes we just need to step back and think about you know how we have been blessed regardless of regardless of how we perceive god or not or even if we perceive god or not obviously in those years there was uh, there was the the basic belief in God, of course, but as time has gone on, even you know as cultures change and and there are those people who do or don't believe in God, that we are able to come together regardless of what our theology or lack thereof may be, that we recognize that there are things that we have, there are there is so much that we have to be thankful for our country, you know, the food we have. And even in our worst moments, there is still so much, if we simply pause for a moment, there is still so much to be thankful for. I was reminded of that um, at a talk that I went to by some folks that had uh, emigrated to the United States uh, from, um, from an African nation. And, you know, they were describing what that was like. I've had an opportunity also in over the years to travel to a couple of third world nations. And when you look at the um, when you look at what the conditions, their living conditions are. And I remember something very, very um, I was uh, in Haiti and we were traveling by bus through a part of part of Haiti. <clears throat> And there was this odd smell, you might say, that brought memories to me. And, and, and I say, what, you know, what is it? What, what is that? Why? And, and when I realized what it was, and this may sound a little morbid, it was the smell of death. It, you know, and I remember it because there were different times growing up on the farm, again, part of my agricultural background, when sometimes people would, an animal would, would, would die, and, and maybe you didn't know it, it was in a field a ways or whatever, you happened upon it, or you happened upon, you know, and I know this seems still pretty dark, but the fact is it's, it's part of my experience in saying the, the, the smell of, 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 of a decay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you said, you know, that's the, that's the smell, and, and you realize this is something that was in the air all the time because I started to talk to some of the folks that yeah, you know that's pretty common. You know, whether it's animal or human, you just it's there. Mm-hmm. And I and I was thinking to myself as I came back and went through some experiences that what would my life had been like if I had been someplace other than where I was born? You know, in 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 a hospital in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. 
a simple change in my life and why the divine one, why the divine God decided to have me born here rather than in Haiti, rather than some other, maybe as possibly an African nation someplace where there is terrible poverty, terrible disease, all of the things that we see on television and read about and, and you know, we, we have uh, huge campaigns to help people around the world. How my life would have been so different simply by changing one piece of it. And, and why I was born here rather than there, only God and God alone will ever know. But what I have in comparison, what I dispose of in comparison, what I presume in comparison, that no matter how bad it gets, and I understand that it can get pretty bad, for, for people, and I may even feel that sometimes it has gotten bad for me. It is nothing in comparison to what so many others, millions, experience in the world. Um, and, and, you know, in light of all of that, to recognize the value, to recognize the importance that of we as a people in this nation who have been greatly blessed in so many ways, despite even the COVID-19 virus, that despite all of that, how greatly we have been blessed. And, and the importance of literally giving thanks, of simply stepping back and realizing that, uh, you know, um, I'm alive, my health, my faith. All of these can be seen as gifts. And, and, and unfortunately, too often we can get into, you know, into a pity pot or a pity party, you might say, and fail to recognize, you know, um, just how grateful we, we really need to be. Enough sermonizing, <laughs> I guess. But it's, it's, it's sometimes easy, easy to fall into that because when you really step back, he's saying, I have so much to be grateful for. And, and rather than falling into sometimes the self-pity, of being able to say to we we I guess to invite people to grow to be folks of gratitude, just to be grateful of the little things, and just the fact that we can practice our religion or any religion freely. Exactly, exactly, um, and even taking it out of the religious realm, which I wouldn't tend to do, but you know certainly can be done, whether you believe in God or not. Just the fact that we have so much, so much compared to the vast majority of the world. Mm -hmm. and, and how sometimes we, it is easy for us to lose sight of that. So I think when you, when you, when you really look at the, the holiday of, of Thanksgiving, for us as Christians, we really do place it in the context of, of religion and theology. Um, but there are so many that, that, that may not profess Christianity or any religion for that matter, is that simply to, to be able to, to step back and again to recognize the abundance that we have in this world. So when did the church uh, adopt essentially, because Thanksgiving Day has a Thanksgiving Day Mass. Right, it does. So do we know when they adopted that? Well, they put it in. in you know, there had always been the thanks, 
there was always a, uh, a mass, you might say, that we could say uh, there are various reasons, causes, whatever. One for Thanksgiving, when the liturgy was renewed in after the 60s, after the Second Council, in one of the first uh, uh, Roman missals, as, or uh, the uh, sacramentary, as we would call it back then, is that uh, there was, very early on, there was a Mass that really centered on Thanksgiving in November. Hmm. Um, it was it was part of an addendum way in the back <laughs> of the book because it, it wasn't a religious feast. And, right. and even today, it's not a religious feast. But uh, it was uh, it was given a, 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 a mass was written for it. And then there was also a, a Eucharistic prayer eventually was written comparing, you might say, the the peoples coming to uh, the North, uh, North American continent, similar to, you know, people coming out of Egypt and finding a new land, a new place. Although sometimes they seem to forget the terrible things we did to, to accomplish all of that, but Nonetheless, it was a way to recognize <coughs> it was a way to recognize the value that of simply giving thanks the value that was there. And so eventually, as today, there is uh, given a, a Eucharistic uh, you know a preface, I should say not a Eucharistic prayer, but a preface that is written for that. and it's actually well done. I you know sometimes they write these things and you wonder, but this is actually well done, and it was given actually even a more prominent place, um, you know, in the Roman Missal than it was previously. Kind of previously was way in the back in the addendums or those other sections nobody ever takes a look at. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is given, you know, kind of placed in in the Roman calendar, but at the end of November. So uh, it was um, uh, given even more prominence of what it means to give thanks and simply to be thankful, to be a people of gratitude. And there is a call to that, that particularly as, as followers of Jesus, that there is a tremendous value in what it means to be able to give thanks uh, and to be able to pray. And, and even now there are more and more parishes that will... Um, when I first started... There were prayer services on Thanksgiving or whatever, and sometimes they were ecumenical prayer services, one of those things we could do with, mm -hmm. with our brothers and sisters from other Christian traditions. Um, but more and more as time went on, I remember when in 1983 when I was ordained, um, that uh, first November that I was at the parish in Racine uh, was the first time they had a Mass, and that was on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, otherwise, sometimes there was a prayer service, sometimes not. It it simply wasn't given much notice. Uh, but we we began the tradition at that time, you know, and, and I'm not sure what, what it is today, but we began an opportunity for people to gather on Thanksgiving Day. Now, I remember also being horribly, horribly disappointed because that first Mass that we had, we talked about it and such. There were only like 25 or 30 people there. It was like, I wanted to see hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> but, but it was new and... and People have to cook their turkeys. Yeah. And, and, but over time, 
over time, the last uh, Thanksgiving Mass that I had there, uh, during my time there, there were around uh, 400 people at the Mass. Wow. But it was one of those things that you kept, you publicized, that you encouraged people. Um, it was it was just a good, good celebration. And there was the recognition, as you had mentioned, people need to cook their turkeys. <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, because so much of it is is centered around food mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, but then we started to have the mass, you know, the, the evening before so that people could cook their turkeys. That uh, it gave them an opportunity to say thanks, but it also uh, gave them the freedom then, you know, of what they do in their normal routines of Thanksgiving morning and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, so over the years that, that I have noticed that there are a goodly number of parishes that now have masses in the morning, or they'll have a mass, you know, in the evening before, but it is much more common. And I also know that there are still many, many parishes that use this as an opportunity, and they may do both and have an opportunity to celebrate a, uh, a ecumenical prayer service of thanksgiving with their Christian brothers and sisters, but also then to have, a, let's say, a mass in the morning of thanksgiving early enough where people are able to pop that bird in the oven, and then, you know, go to Mass, and then, you know, come home and, and continue their preparations. So yeah. it, it's, it's, a, it's a good, it's just a good opportunity for us to take uh, that secular holiday and to give it a, a spiritual meaning, a theological meaning, and to celebrate it as people of faith, which is something the Church has done for, for centuries, for centuries. Well, don't expect 400 people this year because we're not allowed to put 400 people in the church. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> but I do know also that you know people speak of uh, as the holiday approaches, and and certainly with some of the limitations that that people have, is that people do recognize how much, in many ways, they have to be thankful for um, because of of you know kind of the the havoc that. The, this virus has uh, and pandemic has has caused both in not only in the world our nation of course um, people people are, are I think are really recognizing we have a lot to be thankful for we just have a lot to be thankful for and and it's uh, it's a good opportunity for us to gather you know whoever with whomever we can uh, as you mentioned that you know some of those celebrations are going to be, a little bit smaller, or maybe not at all this year, but we still have an opportunity to be thankful and to and to celebrate that as a nation and saying this is something important. This is something vital to who we are, regardless if we believe in God or not. This is something vital so that we do not lose sight of just the many blessings, the gifts that we have as a people. So I just hope that, that people are able to to embrace that and and to express that gratitude and appreciation, however they might do that with their family or alone or whatever the circumstances might be uh, for them this year. Absolutely. Now, the serious question, when did this country start pardoning turkeys? You know, that's an interesting <laughs> question because in, in the couple of the uh, 
Um, let's see here. <laughs> let's see. My quick little search. It, that was the um, he, the material said here in in the the mid twentieth century. So that would be the <laughs> mid nineteen hundreds, nineteen fifties or so. The mid twentieth century. Uh, they suspect even a little earlier that the president started to pardon one or two Thanksgiving turkeys a year. So it's sometime in the mid-1900s that they started to do that. According to the White House, it all formally came together with George H.W. Bush in 1989. But it kind of started here and there in the mid. Interesting. In the mids. Interesting. I, I, I did not know that, that. That's another entertaining thing to watch around Thanksgiving is the president pardoning yes. turkeys. President, and they go to a turkey farm and Something live out like their that. lives, a uh, natural life on a turkey farm someplace. Yeah. Yep. So. All right. Well, I think we will leave it there for this time. Hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Indeed. Indeed. And we will see you all next time.